This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast, back at it Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Tyler Mooney here and the birthday boy, Thomas Quigley. Happy birthday, sir. It was yesterday, but thank you. I know, I know it was yesterday, but you know. Well, today is DeLuca's birthday. Today is Nick DeLuca's birthday. Happy birthday to DeLuca as well. And then we found out that we never properly celebrated Tyler's birthday. So happy birthday, Tyler. And it was Paul's birthday. (laughs) Only like three months ago, right? Only like three months ago for Tyler. So, you know, (laughs) big, big few weeks for the hockey squad here. Um, Speaking of, Samantha Bohr has a really fun project coming out that you just did, Tom. Uh, and Tyler and I are about to do. Could you kind of explain what's going on there? And uh, we can help help her pub that. Yeah, so Fordham TV is back, and Sam Borer is a sports reporter for Fordham TV. She's also a reporter for WFUV. Um, but yeah, she just asked for you know some some previews for the midseason and playoffs for the both you know all three hockey teams. Uh, I think she's doing basketball teams as well. Uh, so she'll talk to all the FUV reporters. I'm um, just getting like a little recap, a little preview for the second half of the seasons as we head to the playoff time. Yes, yeah, so we'll have more information on that next week where you can find that. Tyler and I will do that later this afternoon. It should be fun. Uh, and let's do our own kind of version of that right now with the New York Rangers. They took two weeks off because they basically had no COVID delays. They beat the Bruins in a shootout the other night. Uh, and they're off and rolling here uh, for the second half of the season, Ty. It's, uh, you know, as we kind of said, they get, if they stay healthy, if they maybe trade for a, for a forward, they're going to put themselves in a really good position to compete in the East. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a, it's been such a change looking at the Rangers this year compared to last year, last year, the Rangers could not win a one goal game if their lives depended upon it. And this year, it seems like they literally can't lose one if their lives depend upon it. And the, the game they just played a few nights ago against Boston was a perfect example of that. I believe Colin was there. And I mean, for the first two periods, they were down one, nothing, and they pretty much had absolutely nothing going, but as has been the theme pretty much the entire season. Igor Shesterkin kept him in it, and they came out flying in the third period. They tied the game, and then they won it in an absolutely insane shootout. So good teams, you know, they find a way to win games where they're not at their best, and I think the Rangers of the last few years, they've been the opposite of that. They've been, you know, playing better and starting to play better, but they have not been able to get the results, and this year it's completely flipped, and they're finally getting the wins in these games that they haven't been getting wins in before. So if they can keep that up, yeah, this team can definitely make a, a pretty lengthy run come playoff time. Yeah, if good teams are teams that you know win when they're playing a little bit off, then this team is probably the best team of all time because they do that constantly. Uh, we all know my record of games this year; it's fourteen and one. Uh, but at those <laughs> games, like I'm probably half of those, they start with just terrible first periods, and they always seem to pick it up in the second half or second half of the game, like you know, late second period. They tie it always. Like it literally seems like it always happens. And then third period, they just pile on the goals. Uh, you know, it didn't really happen on on Monday or, or no, Tuesday uh, against the Bruins. Uh, that was a very you know one goal game. Um, but you know, it wasn't you know off, an offensive showing for either team at all. And it's just gonna, another example of how the Rangers probably wouldn't even be in the conversation for the playoffs right now if it weren't for Igor Shosturkin. Uh, he was absolutely. Lights out in net, only letting one goal. And then to see him come out for that shootout at the end, 
uh, it was pretty electric and he stopped what it, it was a nine round shootout mm-hmm. and he stopped like seven shots. I don't know. Something uh, like that. Yeah, six or seven. Yeah. It was, it was a, lot, a long time where neither team was scoring uh, in that shootout it just kept going on. But um, you know, the Rangers just always seem to find a way to win. And that's, a, I guess, a, you know, a, something that will definitely play in their favor down the stretch when it comes to playoff time, you know, you got to kind of play what you are, you know, you got to play up to the level that you can because everything's on the line. So we'll see if that trend continues uh, down the line, but you know, if they can keep racking up these wins, it sets them up for you know a good seed in the playoffs. Definitely. And I think that the conversation is going to start moving towards the trade deadline as it is for all of these teams who are, or every team in the league, pretty much. Um, and I think the Rangers are a really interesting piece of this because they don't have to go after it this year. I think if they look forward and they have other pieces that they want to get in the future, this doesn't have to be the year. This isn't like, I think, the Islanders last year where they went and they got Palmieri because they felt like it had to be the year. Um, so I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Tomas Hurdle was a Ranger, and I wouldn't be surprised if it came out afterwards that Chris Drury never even called the San Jose Sharks about Tomas Hurtle. I'm, I'm very curious on which direction they go. Personally, I think they're going to go all in because I think you have to personally, I think you have to when you have a goalie who is a shoe in for the Vesna or at least the top two with Jacob Markstrom, Tyler, do, do you kind of see them going the more conservative way or going all in with a hurdle? Pav, um, Pavelski, they're probably not going to get Giroux, but somebody in that upper echelon. I would lean toward yes. I mean, it feels like the Rangers have been linked to like every name out there right now. JT Miller, Tomas Hurdle, the guys on the Coyotes, Kessel Checker. And it feels like the Rangers, some they're more involved with than others, but it feels like their name is involved in all of these guys. And the big thing for the Rangers this year, too, is they have so much cap space like right now to get a rental. You obviously have these big contracts kicking in that they've signed these guys on. You still are going to have to pay Lafreniere. You're still going to have to pay Kako, all these young defensemen. So the cap sheet in the coming years for the Rangers is going to get a lot murkier. But it also I shoots believe, up by $12 million next yeah, year with yeah. the Fox and Zibanejad, yeah. And I believe, but I believe they have something around like $25, $30 million in cap space for just the rest of this season. So I think, I mean, this is as perfect a window as you could find to add in a big name player like a Tomas Schertl and the Rangers do have prospects to give up. I mean, obviously the whole Vitaly Kravtsov situation, it's tough to see, you know, if he ends up being a Ranger playing for the Rangers again, the emergence of Braden Schneider has kind of murkied the waters with Neil Lundqvist a little bit. He's in Hartford right now. And obviously the Rangers have just a glutton of defensive prospects. So they certainly have the pieces to make moves. And uh, I think, yeah, just the way that Igor is playing the cap space you have, you have, the elite special teams units right now, if you can just shore up that five on five play and get, and get a legit top six forward, that that should be the Rangers number one goal. And they certainly have this, the capabilities to do that. Yeah. It's honestly a real tough call. I don't really envy Chris Drury right now. I mean, other than the fact that he's the GM of the Rangers, that's awesome. Uh, but um, he, uh, you know, it's a tough decision because you have like a four year window here where you're going to have, you know, a lot of people locked up. You got a lot of young players, uh, and the way that they've played this season, and the way that Igor has played this season, it makes you think that you know they could replicate this a few more times. But the cap situation does get you know murky after this season, especially with you know Ryan Strom. You're gonna have to lock him up for a bit if you want to you know keep him. He's been playing terrific this season, so you know this might be the time to go all in. Um, 
because you don't necessarily know what the future holds. Uh, I would really love to see them go get JT Miller. I know that like, that's pretty, it's definitely a win now move. Um, but you know, Larry Brooks mentioned in, in the post the other day, like you offer Hedl for, uh, and Lundqvist for Miller. Um, you know, that might be a, a trade that goes through Vancouver, you know, not really playing for anything this season, but JT Miller has been, you know, kind of a stellar, uh, player as, as, pretty much since he left the Rangers, he got 46 points in 45 games this season. Um, you add an elite scorer to this Rangers offense where you already have, you know, Kreider Strom has been, uh, putting up points left and right. Um, that would be a huge move. I think that would be a move that could maybe even put them over the top, uh, and maybe even change my position that I said to Sam Borer literally 30 minutes ago, where I said that the Rangers may not, uh, have a chance to win the cup this year. Maybe they do if they make a move like that. Can we just recognize how funny it would be if Niels Lundqvist ended up being the main piece to go to JT Miller? Niels Lundqvist, like the only piece that actually worked out for the Rangers in the Ryan McDonough, JT Miller trade to Tampa. And if the Rangers <laughs> ended up having to give up Niels Lundqvist to get JT Miller back, I think that would be so funny. And it seems like it could be a possibility, Quick. It, it, definitely, also, it definitely does. I think you only need two of Schneider, Jones, and Lundqvist for the future. And if, and I think you pick one of those three guys. Schneider probably has the most value, but therefore you probably want to keep him the most. Lundqvist probably has the least. Maybe they have to get rid of Jones, which I know they like Zach Jones at a UMass, but I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I think the first-round pick is probably as good as gone. The thing with JT Miller, though, is he's five five and a quarter for next season, too. And the issue is, I, I I jumped over Tyler there. It goes their cap number goes up by twelve million dollars next year because you have uh, the big pay increase for Fox and the big uh, less big but big increase for Zabanajad. So do they they have a lot of space now? But that's kind of faux space because it it doesn't carry over to next year with a nine million dollar pay bump for Adam Fox. So I you know they're probably going to have to lose Ryan Strom. So is it worth it to trade for JT Miller, pay him five and a quarter for next season? when you really can't even afford Ryan Strom at five and a quarter for next, for the next six seasons or whatever he's going to ask for. So uh, it, it will be interesting. I don't, I think that they can't trade for JT Miller. That's kind of just how I see it now, but uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. And it's certainly the salary cap has a lot of mysterious, uh, mysterious loopholes that we don't necessarily know about until they're flexed. Uh, what could I possibly be referencing? Nice little segue by me to Mark Stone on the LTIR for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Jack Eichel makes his debut last night and Vegas gets shut out two to nothing against Colorado at home. So that was tough, but, uh, three months, I think it was 97 days after his next surgery. Jack Eichel is back. He starts at center for the Vegas Golden Knights. Looks pretty good in the silver and gold. And he, uh, I mean, they're a really good team and they're going to prove to be probably the best team in the Pacific. We'll talk about one of their rivals getting better as well in Calgary in a minute, but Tyler, I, I think, you know, we saw, we knew this was going to come there. Knew, we knew they were going to have to do something and they didn't want to trade Riley Smith. So they don't now. And Mark Stone will be out until the end of the regular season, just like Kucherov was. Yeah. Riley Smith was certainly going to be the odd man out. Another name that the Rangers were linked to, but you got to think now that there's no way they're trading him they're, they're Mark Stone will be out presumably for, well, he will be out for the rest of the regular season. And you could assume that he'll probably be back for, for the start of the playoffs. I know the, he has missed time chunks here and there but of course the timing fits just oh so perfectly for when Jack Eichel comes back from injury and uh 
it is a little it stinks that we're not gonna be able to see you know Eichel Stone playing at the same time until the playoffs we're not we're not gonna have seen this Vegas team healthy the entire year they haven't been healthy the entire year and they won't be for the rest of the year until playoff time but uh yeah this uh this rule is starting to this long-term IR thing is starting to come in more and more I, I think uh we'll probably start seeing teams take advantage of this more and we'll see even I don't know what I don't know. Vegas probably doesn't have room to make a really big trade acquisition now. I think they just have room to kind of just exist where they're at. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not too hot on it. There's, I, there's not really much you can do because he is hurt. It's not like he's completely faking injury. And it's not like Mark Stone is willingly like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm a little bit hurt, but I'm going to be willing to sit it out three months just so like Mark Stone, that guy plays with so much emotion. He absolutely loves to play. I, he's not just like sitting out for no reason, but it is just interesting how the timing is literally perfect for Jack Eichel to come back and Mark Stone is now on LTIR. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. It's scary to see just the number of people, the names that they have on that team. I mean, you got Mark Stone, when they come back, uh, Eichel's back now. I mean, Patch ready. This is a super team. Uh, Leonard is, is injured right now, which is a shame for them. But the West is wide open. Like, other than the top seed, that's, you know, it's going to be the Avalanche because they're 10 points ahead of everybody else. But everyone's just floating around the 60-point mark right now. And, you know, I think the Knights are somewhere around that. I think maybe 58 or, like, 60 by now. Uh, they lost last night 2 nothing, But, I mean, this is, this is a team that really – it doesn't matter if they play well until the playoffs because they're probably going to get in uh, 16 or 16 teams get in eight from the Western conference. And most of the teams in the Western conference just aren't that good. So um, as long as they just kind of float around where they are right now, keep playing at the level they're playing, it won't really matter until the playoffs. And that's when they get their guys back. So this is a really scary team. Um, I mean, the really the, the big threats in the West really are the Avalanche, uh, the, the Flames, and the Knights, as I see it. So you know we'll probably see those three teams going down the line fighting for a Western Conference final spot. Yeah, I would agree with that. With those are the three teams really uh, in, and I think Nashville's pretty good, and they have a really good goalie, and I think they could maybe make a little bit of a run. But overall, Colorado's gonna gonna take them down in the second round if that's what it comes to. Here's another something to watch. And it's not confirmed. We don't know what's going to happen. But as you mentioned, Robin Leonard is hurt. He makes $5 million. The Avalanche have $5.16 million left in their LTIR pool, which means they can put up to $5.16 million into LTIR and not get punished for it. Robin Leonard makes $5 million. If he's hurt, they might put him in LTIR and go out and trade for somebody. They've already said they're not trading for Marc-Andre Fleury, but that is on the table right now. Uh, it would have to be a salary retention situation if it's any more than that $5 million. Semyon Varlamov happens to make $5 million. So who knows? Uh, it could be a mere, and that could also not happen and he could be back tomorrow. So that's also something I heard is they could do this again in a couple of weeks and trade for a goalie because uh, Loren Brassois is not, um, you know, Robin Leonard or Marc Andre Fleury. He's not really a starting goalie in the NHL, although he played a heck of a game last night against Colorado. Uh, you know, I, I just, it, it perked my ears that this could happen again in a couple of weeks. We could be having the same conversation about the goalie uh, and they could have the best tandem again in the league going into the playoffs. If they have Varlamov and Leonard or Corpusalo and Leonard, or that would be Leonard and Corpusalo in that order for sure. But I, it's tough to have a problem with it anymore, honestly, Tyler, because 
the Islanders did it with Anders Lee last year. The Lightning did it with Nikita Kucherov. The Blackhawks did it on their way to the Stanley Cup with Patrick Kane. The Knights are doing it. If the NHL or the PA really had a problem with it, it would have gotten closed after all the attention it got last year. Um, and it's getting a lot of attention again this year. So I feel like if it does, the loophole doesn't get closed this offseason, then it's clear that the Players Association thinks this is okay, and we're just going to keep moving forward with teams way over the salary cap. Yeah, absolutely. It would. It would. I think it would have been resolved last year. I mean, the Kucherov thing got so much attention, and of course, the Lightning ended up going on to win the Stanley Cup. So I feel like if it was gonna that loophole was going to be closed, it would have already been closed. And uh, yeah, I mean, it really just it is what it is. You, don't don't hate the players, hate the game. You know, that's what, that's what you got to exactly. say. They're they're just doing uh they're doing what they can do, and yeah, you can't really blame them. It's gonna you're, you're getting basically free cap space and to add more and more players to give you a, a chance for a Stanley Cup. So it is what it is. Yeah, if there's one thing players hate, it's uh, salary cap. So I don't <laughs> think the players really have a a, a big beef with uh, the LTIR as it is right now. Yeah, as long as they're getting paid, I don't care. Right, but yeah, so that's uh. That's what's going on in Vegas. They're certainly a team to beat. And, you know, as we talk about American hockey all the time, we'll get to the Olympics in a minute. Um, but Jack Eichel on a good team, on a good American team, in the same division as McDavid, you know, I think this could be a blast. Uh, playing with Pacioretty, Connecticut guy. So I think this could be a lot of fun having Jack Eichel down in Vegas. Um, we'll stay in the Pacific division. Tyler Toffoli is traded. Uh, from Montreal to Calgary, as I mentioned before, uh, for a prospect that apparently is like uh, Heineman, is like a nothing burger. Uh, a fifth-round pick, again, who cares? Tyler Pitlick, who just traded hands to, to make the money work, and a first-round pick. So basically a first-round pick and a couple pieces off the scrap pile for Bradshaw Living to make the first move of the deadline. Calgary was the bridesmaid, not the bride, in the Mark Stone and Jack Eichel um, trades. So they're obviously out to get Vegas in their division. They've had a heck of a season. They have a Vesna caliber goalie, and now they have a goal scoring winger to try and convince Johnny Gaudreau to stay. Tyler Toffoli has term only just over $4 million. Tyler, I think this is an A plus for Calgary an A plus for Jeff Gorton to get another first round pick in the door there in Montreal makes sense across the board for me. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Great trade for both teams for Calgary. It really helps give them some scoring besides that top line. Obviously, you know, Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, those guys have been absolutely outstanding this year, Mangiapane as well. But after that, there's a pretty steep fall off. And we've seen kind of similar things from Calgary teams of the past where, you know, their top line really carries them through the regular season. But once we get into the playoffs, you can't just rely on the top line and they don't have the, the bottom six or even the bottom nine scoring to, to beef that up. But adding a guy like Tyler Defoe is absolutely going to help that. He's a guy who can fill in. I believe I looked at uh, Daily Faceoff. I believe he's slotted in on their third line right now. So obviously a very solid third line winger. He has Stanley Cup pedigree. And God forbid there's an injury in the top six. A guy like him can fill up and fill that role. So I think that was a great trade for Calgary. And getting a first round pick for the Montreal Canadiens, first round picks is the name of the game for them right now just trying to stockpile as many of them as possible. I know it's probably going to be uh, the late late first-round pick in the 20s, but uh, any first-rounder is more than no first-rounder. So I think it's a good trade for both teams. Yeah, I think Toffoli is kind of like a, an insurance policy. If uh, any one of their you know forwards go down late in the season, you've got another guy there now. 
And uh, what an opening. I mean, he, he played 12 minutes uh, in his first game with the Flames and he scored a goal. So uh, hopefully, you know, for them, a sign of things to come. Uh, but, you know, like we just said with the Knights, it's wide open in the West. There's, you know, three or four teams that are competing for the top spot or at least competing for a, a spot in the Stanley Cup finals. So, you know, right now you got a, a guy that's really going to bolster your team and a guy that was just on a Stanley Cup run with Montreal. So he's been there. Another vet to add to, you know, your, your uh, kind of a, you know, a younger team out in Calgary. And, um, you know, it's playoff pedigree. And that's, you know, people who have been there before uh, are usually the, the teams that succeed in the playoffs, you know, the ones that have been there. So. Um, I think it's a good acquisition for them. And obviously for Montreal, it's just time to rebuild now. And he's got one ring too. He was on the team that beat the Rangers. And this is his former coach too. Daryl Sutter was the coach of that team. And now he's the coach up in Calgary and reuniting there. So it makes a lot of sense. It's just a really sensical fit across the board. So the first player is off the board. One that maybe even wasn't necessarily on the board, although kind of every single player on the Canadians is, is a spot spot on the on the big board excuse me before we move on i i went to write my ram on this and i said last week that the montreal canadians should be trying to lose every single game to get shane Wright. and when i said that i thought that the montreal canadians had their first round pick i'm here to remind you that the montreal canadians traded away their first round pick this offseason to the arizona coyotes for christian dvorak the trade was a first round pick and it was the, the, uh, the stipulation is the Coyotes get the higher of the two picks, Montreal's or Carolina's. Obviously, we know whose is going to be higher. It's possible that both Shane Wright and Logan Cooley go to Arizona at the end of the year. Uh, it's not, it didn't seem to me to be lottery protected on the, on the little sheet there. So uh, just something to watch out for there because I, um, I completely forgot about that. So Montreal has to accumulate these because they're not going to have a top five pick because it's going to Arizona. So um, that was something I had forgotten about. So I just wanted to correct that from last week. Uh, we'll move on, come back to New York for the Islanders before we head out to um, Beijing. The Islanders stink. Uh, they lost to Calgary. They lost to Edmonton. They, so them and the Bruins, Bruins hold the eighth spot right now. They play each other tonight. The, they played 11 game play 11 games between the end of the all-star break and March 1st, respectively. Uh, one of those games for Boston was the one where uh, Patrice Bergeron got suspended and no Patrice Bergeron got hurt and Brad Marchand got suspended. Excuse me. Uh, and they lost that game. They played every game since then without those two players. Uh, they beat, they lost to Carolina. They beat Ottawa and they got a point out of the Rangers. So, you know, that's pretty good for the Islanders if you're looking, if you're scoreboard watching, right? They're 0 and 2, 1 and 2, 1, 2 and 1. Not bad. What you need to do is you need to pick up multiple points on, on, on Boston. Uh, and the Islanders haven't done that. They've lost their last three games. They lost to Edmonton 3 to 1. They lost to Calgary 5 to 2. And then Buffalo 6 to 3. Uh, they are free falling, absolutely out of control right now. And now Josh Bailey is hurt. I mean, Semyon Varlamov is on COVID. Uh, this is spiraling quickly, Tyler. Yeah, spiraling quickly is definitely an accurate way to put it. And uh, I think even the last few games, we're starting to see the, the toll that the season has taken on Ilya Sorokin as well. You know, he has not been as spectacular as he was the start of the year. Um, Got to recognize the Islanders making Mike Smith look like 2012 Mike Smith versus Edmonton. I think he had like 38, 39 saves or something. 
I, th- I always find it so funny when a guy who's like so out of his prime just has a completely insane game, especially Mike Smith. It feels like he's been around forever and he certainly has not been the best Mike Smith in the last few years. But uh, yeah, for the Islanders, I mean, the loss of the Sabres is that's really probably the icing on the cake there. And you got to think the season is if it's not completely over, if they lose tonight to Boston, it's definitely over. I guess you could justify, you know, I, I they're 18 points out with five games in hand or I believe four games in hand. So if they win tonight versus the Bruins, I guess you could justify mathematically. It's still possible, but the way the team is playing, it's, it's really not possible. And I think the main goal for them really should be trying to maybe get rid of some of these older players at the deadline, get a little bit of late round draft capital, but more just see some of these younger guys come in and play in this lineup because this year just, for a variety of reasons has not worked out for them. And you can only hope that it's just this one year and next year, they'll be back to what we're we've become accustomed to seeing the last few years from the Islanders. Yeah. That last glimmer of hope, as much as it, you know, it's sad to see Tuka Rask have to retire from injury. You know, you see the Bruins lose their, their franchise goaltender. You think, Hey, maybe we do have a chance, but Jeremy Swyman looked really good against the Rangers. So, I mean, I don't even think that you're getting much worse goaltending uh, out of a Bruins team without Tuca. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is probably a lost season for the Islanders. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that they're going to make some big deadline moves? Or Yep, the report. there was a report this week that Clutterbuck is being actively shopped as we speak. Clutterbuck and Parise, I think, are the two guys with real value that somebody will take. I think Varlamov's a desperation move for Edmonton, maybe Vegas now, um, or any team that really needs a goalie. And I think that the Islanders might be able to catch somebody like looking for a goalie where they can get a first-round pick, and I think that would be ideal. Um, but Edmonton seems to want to go after Corpusalo. So, I don't know. You have, you have to look at you know what Edmonton wants, too. So. I think Clutterbuck and Parise are as good as gone for mid-round picks. Clutterbuck will probably come back on a cheaper deal, and maybe Parise will too. Um, but I'd like for, for Varlamov to be gone, personally. I think he was a better goalie than I was expecting uh, when he first got signed, and he's helped the team go to two conference finals, but he has a lot of trade value, um, and he's getting older. And the franchise goalie is here, and it's not him. So you might as well get rid of him at this point. Uh, because he he's going to get you a first round pick, and you haven't had one in three years. And as much as I supported the Pajot and Palmieri moves, that's now coming back to bite them in the butt because they don't have any prospects in their pool. Right, Dobson and Wallstrom are NHL players now. Those are the last prospects they don't have anymore. So it, that and the kid they drafted in 2019, that Swedish guy whose name is escaping me, he looks like a complete bust. So uh, Holmstrom, Simon Holmstrom. So who knows? Who knows? I think that they need to get a second first round pick, but they probably won't. So who knows? I don't know. They are one, one and three in this 11 game stretch and Boston's one, two and one. And they need to pick up, I think, at least three games. And they're already minus one and they need to be plus six. So in terms of points. So they got a lot, lot to make up. Uh, and that starts tonight against the Bruins at UBS Arena. I'll be on my way after we finish this up uh, to go cover that game uh, for the station. And what else do we got? We got some Olympics to talk about. That's the last thing we're going to get to here today before we wrap it up. Uh, The tournament is effectively over for North America. Uh, The semifinals for the men include Russia, Finland, Sweden, and Slovakia because David Quinn proved why he isn't an NHL coach anymore. 
shootout against Slovakia in the quarterfinals. Matty Beniers is taped to the bench. Best player on the team doesn't get a chance in a nine-round shootout, something like that. Um, and the U.S. loses in well in brutal fashion. This looked like a team that could go on a run. Um, I am mad at myself for having half a thought that this team could go win a gold medal because we haven't seen one in our lifetimes, haven't seen one in 42 years. Uh, and, yeah, I, it's disappointing. But at the end of the day, you know, we're just hoping for 2026 to be Matthews versus McDavid in the Olympics. And I think that will be a lot more meaningful to us than this is. But it still sucks, Tyler. Yeah, especially after the U.S. beat Canada in the prelims. And I was like, okay, okay, this, this, could, be, this could be the year. Maybe something happens the first time they beat Canada at the Olympics in 12 years, at least the men's did. So uh, after that win, you thought, okay, maybe the U.S. will be able to get some momentum here and make it run, but tough loss, especially giving up a goal late to Slovakia in a game that they were up. And uh, Canada got shut out, too, in the quarterfinals. So I probably won't be watching much of the rest of the Olympic hockey. And, yeah, you just I just got to hope for 2026 we finally get the NHL players back because – well, the tournament, it was fun to watch the highlights. I watched a little bit of some of the games. It's just its just not the same as having the NHL players, obviously. So, uh, unfortunate loss for, for the U.S., but Strauss man in that Canada game, he, he played outstanding. So, credit to him, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll see him in the NHL at some point. Yeah, these, uh, these like, playing game or whatever group stage games were just such a tease go three and oh and then immediately out uh against slovakia very tough go of it um i mean i don't really put much like stock into a, a, a world championship of not the best players in the world you know no of uh, course of course but i mean so, i don't know man, we we made a movie about winning a world championship without the best see, that's the thing and that's different because you know Obviously, the best players in Russia were playing, and then you just had a bunch of college kids that beat them. And that's fine. Like, none of them were pros. Once you start entering pros into this conversation, though, I don't think you can go back. Like, it's just not fun anymore. Like, it was fun back then because it was like, oh, this is a, you know, an, a, what's it called? An amateur tournament. And then it became, okay, now we got pros in it. So it's actually the best tournament in the world. And now it's back to, you know, college kids or like, retired players or free agents and it's just not the quality of play that you want to see it's not really the olympics like it was in 2010 you're not going to get moments like that sydney crosby overtime goal to win it at home like that was a, a moment that most hockey fans will never forget at least those who have watched it and i don't think there's going to be any types of moments in the men's tournament like that until we get nhl players back yeah 100 percent agree and sounds like it's they're on for 2026 as of right now uh, and Matthews and Eichel together. Hopefully Patrick Kane still in his prime by then. That would certainly bolster up the U.S. a little bit, having Patrick Kane, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen four years from now? And, yeah, as Tyler mentioned, Canada gets shut out by Sweden. So the men's tournament, all of its relevancy, and he in this part of the country at least, or this part of the world, is gone. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure many will be watching as those four teams, four European teams go at it for the gold medal. And then on the women's side, it was U.S.-Canada again for the gold medal, as we mentioned last week, I think. Um, I think we just assumed it was going to happen. It ended up happening, and it was a heck of a game. The U.S. loses 3-2. to two. They go down 3 nothing. And in my estimation, as we were texting about this morning, it was 3 nothing for too long. Uh, they got it to 3 nothing, and they started to push, started to push, but they just couldn't get one pass. And once they got the goal pass in the third period, 
it was the floodgates were open. They were pounded it, and then they scored a goal with like 12 seconds left to make it three to two. But if they had made it three one in that second period, quicks, I think we're talking about overtime and maybe another gold medal on our side. But that Canada team, Marie Philippe Poulin, with a golden goal for the third time in her career, which is bonkers. Uh, they're really good, and congrats to them again. Yeah, it's always been a two team tournament uh, with you know a bunch of you know, uh, warm-up games in between, I guess. Um, but you know, Canada really kind of showed that they're, they're the dominant team, even though it seemed like the, the, the U S had so many different chances in that game and against the, in the game, you know, in the, in the preliminaries uh, against Canada, where they lost, uh, four to two had 50 shots on goal and could only get two past the goal line. But, um, no, last night was really heartbreaking, honestly, because there's just so many times, I think they hit three posts, uh, including the first, was on like a wide open net. I forget who shot it, but you know, that's just, that's really hard to take, especially because that was, you know, when it was nothing, nothing. And then, you know, Canada puts up three goals, almost four, if it weren't for that, you know, offsides review. Um, so it's really a tough way to start. Um, and the U S really had a lot of fight back in them. Uh, it's just that they couldn't get the puck past the goal line and, uh, you know, some great saves from, from, uh, Oh, God, I, I can't remember the names. But Canada's goalie was is fantastic um, throughout, uh, and you know, especially in that first game, but definitely last night as well. Uh, really tough way to go out, um, but you know, good for Canada. They have five gold medals now. We still only have two, um, and we are no longer reigning champs. But 2026, you know, all hope is for the Canada U.S rivalry in both sports men's and women's to uh you know get rekindled and hopefully we get a, a another great tournament out of it yeah absolutely it's like it's, it's always going to be canada and u.s at least in the current landscape of, of women's hockey and you mentioned like the theme of of just not being able to finish another chances across both games quigs it's 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 already so tough to just lose both games to canada and to come so close and lose to your arch rivals but the way they lost to it feels like it feels like we were just waiting and waiting and, and uh, they, they just ran out of time in the gold medal game. If, if, that, if it was a four period game, the U S would have won, but uh, we play three periods in hockey. So they just ran out of time and uh, it stinks because it's not like, you know, Canada went out there and just, and, you know, beat the brakes off them or were clearly the better team. The U S it was, it was so close. They, they almost had it, but that's the way it goes. Sometimes, sometimes you run into a hot girl, hot goalie, or you just the puck luck just doesn't go your way and it didn't go the U.S.'s way, but uh, definitely nothing to be ashamed of there. They, uh, they put up a valiant defense of their gold medal and hopefully just got to win it back in 2026. I'm sure it'll be another amazing tournament for the ladies. Yeah, for sure. And you, you mentioned it, you know, Canada's never beaten the breaks off of the U.S. It's been close every time they played the first time the U.S. won in 98. So this has been a rivalry since uh, the inception of Olympic women's hockey. And uh, these two teams don't like each other. Like legitimately, there is pure hatred between these two teams. And I love every second of it. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, yeah, it sucks to lose. But some incredible players on both sides and great hockey. If you missed it, I think they're rerunning it this afternoon. Definitely, definitely watch. I mean, you know how it ends now. But yeah, ama- amazing, amazing game uh, between those two teams again. It never seems to fail. Uh, international hockey news. And then we'll head out of here. The World Juniors is happening in August in somewhere in, in Alberta is the direct quote. Uh, my only concern is that the top players are not going to go because they're going to be signed by their NHL squads. 
Owen Power to Buffalo, Matty Beneers, Jake Sanderson, those kind of guys might not be playing in the tournament because they might be uh, in training camp at the time. Other than that, though, I mean, Tyler, I love the World Juniors, as everybody knows. It's like my favorite thing in the world. And I, it's great. I'm, I'm all excited for it, but it does suck to maybe, we don't know, but maybe not get exactly what it was supposed to be in December. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy that it's happening. When, when does NHL training camp start exactly? Like September, but they could have them under contract in August. Yeah, I mean, what? So, I mean, that makes me think back to when the Black did the Blackhawks have Kirby Doc under contract and then they let him go? No, he was playing in juniors at the time, wasn't he? Nugent Hopkins was the one who left the Oilers to go play for Team Canada. No, because no, it was before the season, it was the 56 game season. Yeah, so didn't they? They let him go though. They let him go. You're was right. He under, he, was he under contract? I I don't. I was know. thinking. I mean, if then this, he broke his wrist. So yeah, so, do it. Yeah. yeah, you think, but you know, you never know. Maybe some teams think, okay, this would be a good way to get this kid playing early. That way, he's in even more game shape for the start of training camp. But it would be unfortunate if some of these top players can't play because they're assigned to their their NHL squads. But at least at least we're getting a tournament. The World Juniors is always fun to watch and. That will be a nice warm-up just for the fans and, and the media and hockey fans in general to watch the World Juniors. Assumingly, after the Stanley Cup Finals will probably not have ended that much, probably like a month and a half before that, and then we can get right into training camp. So it's nice that we have uh, – there's not going to be a huge off-season break for hockey, similar to, the, similar to this past off-season, but that'll be fun to watch uh, in the middle of August. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it when they first canceled the tournament to – Shame they couldn't get it off the ground. Um, I mean, they had a few games, but uh, eventually had to call it because Omicron was going crazy. Um, so it's, it's good to see that they're actually going to play the tournament, um, even if it's you know not exactly the same personnel uh, when you're losing guys who are already drafted and signed to teams. But, you know, it'll be, yeah, like you said, it'll be a nice little warm-up to the NHL season. It'll be kind of cool to watch some international hockey right before we get to see maybe some of these players play for their NHL teams. Definitely, definitely true. Uh, the NHL t- takes back center stage, at least on my television, um, as the, the women's tournament ends and the men are out. Seems like the World Cup of Hockey might be percolating. So lots of, for 2024, so lots of news in international hockey and uh, heck of a night last night for hockey across the board. You had a great game between the Panthers and the Hurricanes. Eichel back for Vegas, U.S. women's gold uh, against Canada. So, a great night last night. Uh, thanks for uh, recapping it with us today. For Thomas Quigley, Tyler Mooney, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>